Please turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. This text is going to be our anchoring text as we consider Article 12 of the Belgic Confession. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 11, or uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Please pay careful attention, for this is God's holy and inspired word that's given to us this morning. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please now look with me in your order of worship at the confessional reading element. This morning we will be confessing together Article 12 of the Belgic Confession. Article 12 of the Belgic Confession. Christian, what do you believe about creation? We believe that the Father created heaven and earth and all other creatures from nothing when it seemed good to Him by His Word, that is to say, by His Son. He has given all creatures their being, form, and appearance and their various functions for serving their Creator. Even now He also sustains and governs them all according to His eternal providence and by His infinite power that they may serve man in order that man may serve God. He has also created the angels good that they might be His messengers to serve the elect. Some of them have fallen from the excellence in which God created them into eternal perdition, and the others have persisted and remained in their original state by the grace of God. The devils and evil spirits are so corrupt that they are enemies of God and of everything good. They lie in wait for the church and every member of it like thieves with all their power to destroy and spoil everything by their deceptions. So then, by their own wickedness, they are condemned to everlasting damnation, daily waiting their torments. For that reason, we detest the era of the Sadducees, who deny that there are spirits and angels, and also the heir of the Manichaeans, who say that the devils originated by themselves, being evil by nature, without having been corrupted. Let's pray and ask that the Lord would bless the hearing of his word once again this morning. Merciful Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in two forms. 
We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in the book of creation, which is indeed that most elegant book in which all creatures are like characters and signs and words that point to your existence, divinity, power, and glory. But we thank you most of that you have revealed yourself to us in uh, your inspired and authoritative word. We thank you that through your providence you have sustained and preserved this word even into our own day and age so that we can be here in this moment continuing to learn about um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that your spirit would be present and that you would make these things effectual to us in our hearts and lives. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, boys and girls, what are we called to do with our hearts and mouths? What are we called to do, uh, Violet? Believe and confess. We are called to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths. Now pay attention as we continue to go through the Belgian Confession. Nearly every article, apart from a few, begins with either we believe and confess, or we believe or we confess. The, the Confession believes that, that believing and confessing are very important habits in the life of the Christian. We are called to believe and confess the truth of the Word of God. Well, what is God according to our Confession? Why it? Good. Single, simple, and spiritual. Yes. Now, God makes his, his self known to us in two books, two, two forms. Marcus? The book of creation and his word. Yes, the book of creation and his word. Now, there are three descriptors of God's word that we have considered. What is, what is God's word? What is the Bible? What is the Bible? Annabelle? Authoritative, sufficient, and inspired. Again, God's word is inspired, which then makes it authoritative and sufficient for life in this world. Well, what is the Trinity? What is the Trinity? Violet? Good. God is one essence in three persons. Who is Jesus Christ? What was the one metaphor that we've considered? Who is Jesus Christ? A little bit more difficult. Who is Jesus Christ? Ezekiel? Yes, the begotten Son of God, the eternally begotten Son of God. Uh, begotten and not made, as we confess in the Nicene Creed. Now, who is the Holy Spirit, boys and girls? Who is the Holy Spirit? Noel? He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Yes, that's what's distinctive about the Holy Spirit. And so, the Trinity is that God is one in essence in three persons. Well, today we are going to consider what Scripture reveals about creation. What does scripture reveal about creation? Now, I know we've, we've been considering creation in our first service in Genesis 1 and 2, so Lord willing, we won't be covering, um, we won't be covering the same basis. We'll be uh, considering some, some new aspects of God's creation this morning. However, one, one uh, useful exercise to do is to read the Belgic Confession and think to yourself, what topics, what doctrines do I deem to be very important that the confession doesn't even acknowledge or, or um, speak of? And then also ask yourself, what topics, what doctrines does the confession speak of that I don't think are very important at all? That exercise will be a very good way to determine what things you're overvaluing and what things you are undervaluing when it comes to the historic church's reflection upon the truth of Scripture. 
And so as we consider Article 12, pay attention to what the Confession does say about creation, and also pay attention to what the Confession doesn't say about creation. This morning we're going to consider two main points from from this confession. We're going to consider creation ex nihilo and the creation and fall of angels. Those are the two main main ideas that Article 12 unpacks for us. Creation ex nihilo and the creation and fall of angels. So creation ex nihilo, what does this mean? Well, it's Latin for God's creation from nothing. And This is what we confess in the opening line of Article 12. We confess that the Father created the heavens and the earth and all creatures from nothing. This reminds us that there was no pre-existing matter or substance that God used in the creation of all things. Why? Because then that matter would also be eternal and on the same level or plane as God. God created all things from nothing. Here the confession is referencing Genesis 1.1 where we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens are referring to the invisible realm of creation, the realm of angels, and after the fall, the realm of, of demons. And the earth is a reference to physical creation. Physical creation. This is how the Nicene Creed interprets Genesis 1.1. If you notice that in the Nicene Creed, we confess that God is the maker of the heavens and the earth, of all things visible and invisible. So we see in the opening chapter of Genesis 1.1 that God is the creator of the invisible realm, of, of the angels originally, and of the visible realm, of physical creation. Now the article goes on and talks about how God has given all creatures their being, form, and appearance and their various function for serving their creator. So notice that God doesn't just create things and leave them be. He also gives his creation the power and ability to accomplish his intended purpose for them. We see this in Genesis 1. God didn't just create the sun and the moon. And leave them be. He created them to rule the day and the night. You can't really separate the essence of the sun from its job or role to rule the day. We are made in the image of God. And there is, uh, there, there, there is an ontological aspect to that. We, are, we have been made in true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. However, we also have been made to work as God worked, to rule as God ruled, to be his vice regents. And you can't really separate our essence from our God-given commission and task to function as image bearers in this life. And so God created and gave to his creation their form, appearance, and various functions for serving their creator. Now notice that the confession does not give a specific interpretation of the age of the universe or the specific length of the six days of creation. This is intentional. In fact, all the confession says in relation to these topics or doctrines is that God created when it seemed good to him. 
This was an intentional move by the original author, Guido de Bray, of the Belgian Confession. Most of the reformers at that time believed that the universe was about 6,000 years old, but they refused to make the age of the universe and a specific view of the length of creation days a confessional doctrine. This reminds us that our confessions serve as fences or guardrails, meaning if you go outside the fence, if you go outside the guardrail, you are in the land of, of heresy. If you contradict what our confessions say, then according to our confession, you are an error. However, there is room to live and move and operate within the fence, within the guardrails. The confessions do serve as compromised documents, meaning they are allowing a certain level of diversity intentionally. And so we see the confession refuses to make the age of the universe or a specific view of the creation days a confessional doctrine. You know, some in our contemporary age and even throughout the 20th century have, have made the age of the universe or a specific view of the age of the universe or a specific view of the length of creation days um, a major issue, a, a hill on, uh, upon which um, they were willing to die. At the same time, many in our churches and culture were abandoning creation ex nihilo. And according to our confession, we are to die on the hill of the latter, but allow diversity when it comes to the former. When you think about our current day and age, for those of you who are going through our, our book, uh, The Strange New World, we are, all, we are all complicit in what Truman refers to as expressive individualism. We grant ultimate authority to our feelings, and then we expect all external norms, authorities, and institutions to affirm us in those fields. Again, we live in a day and age where even many Christians do not acknowledge nature as an objective um, authority that stands over us and our identity. Again, we live in a day and age in which even many Christians view God's book of creation and book of scripture as authoritative norms that stand under the authority of my feelings. And so Article 12 is telling us that we are to emphasize creation ex nihilo, that God is creator. That God is creator and God as our creator and sustainer stands over us and our identity. Now in Hebrews 11.3, which is the text that we read earlier, the author says that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Essentially what the author is saying here is that we accept that God is creator by faith. But in Romans chapter 1, Paul seems to suggest that we actually know God as creator through natural revelation. In fact, even unbelievers know God as creator through the book of creation. And so which one is it? Do we know God as creator by faith or by natural revelation? Well, Paul continues in Romans 1 and he says that our sinful nature suppresses this truth about God and unrighteousness. And so faith is the acceptance of this natural knowledge that we have of, uh, through creation. Faith is the acceptance of this natural knowledge that we have through creation that God is creator. We know that God is creator by virtue of being made in his image and living in this world, but we don't accept that naturally. Faith is the acceptance of that reality, that God is creator, and thus... We, we can rightly confess along with the author of the Hebrews that by faith we understand that the universe 
was created by the word of God. So according to Article 12, we confess that God is creator, that he created all things, heaven and earth and all creatures, from nothing. Now notice the second half of this confession. The article spends more time speaking about angels than, um, than it does on any other part of God's creation. This probably surprises us. If I were to ask you, what do you think about when you think about God's creation, you probably wouldn't say the creation fall of angels. But according to our confession, um, this is an important document, uh, important subject. According to our confession, belief in angels is part of our reformational tradition. It's something that scripture itself teaches. Now, if we're honest with, with ourselves, most of us have been more influenced by Christian and pagan mythology when it comes to our, our understanding of, of demons and angels than we, are, than we have been through scripture. And so we would do well to spend... <clears throat> A few moments here considering what scripture actually teaches about angels, about demons. Well, we first see that, that angels are created beings. Right? They're not eternal. Angels do not, angels have a beginning. They're created beings. And we see this in, in Psalm 148 when the psalmist says, Praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he, which includes the angels, were created. So angels are part of God's creation. But angels are also spiritual beings. Angels were not made with bodies. Jesus tells us that angels do not marry and they do not reproduce. In fact, Calvin, as he comments on angels in scripture, he says, even though the seraphim sometimes are described as having wings as they go about God's heavenly courtroom, this is analogical or metaphorical language. Just as God doesn't literally have a throne, he doesn't literally have a crown, he doesn't have a body upon which he can sit, so too the, these wings of the seraphim are metaphorical language to help us uh, understand something of God's heavenly palace or courtroom. Therefore, angels are spiritual beings. We also see that the main job assignment our task of angels is to serve the elect. This is what the authors of the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. He says, And to which of the angels has God ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The author here is reminding us that the, the main task or job of, of the angels is to serve those who inherit salvation, to serve the elect. Now John Calvin, as he's reflecting upon this point, he makes, he makes a, a, a keen observation. He, he actually says that the idea of having a guardian angel is unbiblical. Why? Because it's too limited of a view of angels. We, God doesn't just assign to us one angel. He assigns to us the entire angelic hosts, myriads upon myriads. This is what we read in Hebrews chapter 1, that God appoints the angels, plural, to serve those who inherit salvation. And thus, that's meant to be a comfort to us. It's meant to be a comfort to us as we live in this present age. Well, the end of the confession goes on to talk about how there were angels who were part of God's heavenly hosts serving him. 
in his heavenly court who rebelled, who fell. And why God would allow this to happen, again, is a mystery that we will not fully understand in this age. But God did permit this to happen. They were not created evil. That's a heresy that we reject. These demons, Satan himself was not created uh, evil because then that would mean that God is the author of evil. But God permitted that some angels uh, would rebel. Um, Why did he do this? Well, we know that this ultimately will serve his glory in a way that we can't fully understand in this age. But there is a realm of spiritual warfare. Uh, Paul speaks this way in Ephesians chapter 6. Peter says that the evil one is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. However, at the same time, we know that we are no longer under the sway of the evil one if we are in Christ. We know that if we're in Christ, we are safe in the palm of our Father and nothing and no one can pluck us from his hand. And that is the confidence that we are to have as we go about our lives in this world. Well, our our Heidelberg Catechism, as it's reflecting upon the doctrine of creation, says that one of the ways in which God's creation applies to us is that it should make us patient during times of adversity. It should make us Uh, thankful during times of prosperity, and it should make us confident as we think about the future. Now, as I mentioned earlier this morning during the reading of the law portion of our service, every season of life and even every circumstance is a trial in that it potentially seeks to allure and stimulate within us our, our sinful desires. It's an external temptation. And so if you're going through times of adversity, you're tempted. You're tempted to complain and grumble and curse God. If you're going through times of prosperity, you're tempted to forget about God, to grow independent, to become arrogant. If you're thinking about the future and you're uncertain about the future, you can be tempted to become anxious. Or as you think about the future and you you think you have your, your entire future planned out, you can become overconfident in yourself as you think about the future. So no matter where you find yourself this morning, whether you're going through a trial or a, a time of adversity or Things seem to be going well. It's a time of prosperity. Or if you are certain or uncertain about the future, no matter where you find yourself this morning, uh, you are tempted. Tempted to um, give in to your sinful desires. And so we all are called to be patient. We all are called to be thankful. And we all are called to be confident. Not in ourselves, but confident in God, who is the creator and sustainer of all that exists. And next week, we will uh, consider what it means that God is not only creator, but that he is sustainer. He is provider. He didn't create all things and just let creation be. He continues to uphold all things by his powerful work.